Good afternoon, Mitsus. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season 2. This is episode number two of our second season. Uh, it's number 475 overall. Um, we, <laughs> we've been getting generally pretty good feedback on Season 2, Anthony. Uh, people are excited that we got picked up for another 10 years. Uh, I'm... I'm riveted. I got a mortgage, so I need... <laughs> yeah, we gotta do it. I, I mean, I think we've got enough to be in syndication at this point. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, 400? I think the minimum is 400, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're in season two. It's been great. The music is a little different. That's one of the main things you've noticed that's different. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail about why the music is different, but I will just say this. I have the rights to use all of the music that you're hearing. I'm not going to tell you whether or not I did before, mm-hmm. that would be a poor decision to put that on a show. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, man, I miss those other songs, they are expensive. So. Wink. <laughs> yes, thank you. Sound effects, wink. Uh, so uh, I'm your host. I'm Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And I have an excellent panel with you today, with me today, with all of us today. Uh, first up, uh, he's joining us from Southeast Portland. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. I'm coming at you. I was going to say I'm coming at you guys through the magic of the internet, but technically that's true about every show. You're coming to us through the internet and then yeah. to the listeners through that oh, same wow. internet. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Russian it's... doll situation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just doubling it up. And uh, there's thoughts coming from my brain traveling oh through electrical impulses. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to watch. And then it yeah. comes out of the top of your head as sweat. Yep. That's how Computer all my. That's generated. literally how I think of my ideas. This Just is a point out of me. Here's sweat. a fun thing about watching this movie again as an older person. When I was young, I did not notice how bad his hairline is. When the CG comes out of the sweat right. on his head, I'm like, oh man, terrible Ooh, hairline. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> as a kid, didn't care. Um, all right. Also joining us today, uh, I guess also technically in Southeast Portland, but the, re- the the rest of us are hanging out in a club. I just, for those of you listening at home, this is on me. I forgot to tell Anthony where we were meeting. So he's Skyping in, but joining us uh, on my radio left. Uh, a founder of Les Standup. You can find her at whateverforever69 on Twitter and at Laura Bread Kitten on the gram. Please welcome making her debut on the show, Laura Ann Whitley. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for the machoist, uh, yeah. malest topic. I feel right at home. Good. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> yeah, this is a, a, a heartily macho topic. In, to an extent that I did not notice as a kid either. Um, also joining us, uh, returning to the show, host of Space Cats Peace Turtles, Ooh. the podcast. Mm. If you don't know why it's called that, it's not for you. Yeah. Uh, but, Hunter, you may remember last time you were on the show. Yeah, Home you Alone. You s- told us that there was no way anybody listening would also know what that is. All right. Was the podcast, there any we result have from that? At least one person. You're kidding. One person tweeted at us and said for sure that he's going to listen to that pod, was excited to hear about oh, okay, it. Okay, but he hadn't he heard, heard about it already. It no, he'd not heard of your show already, oh, okay. but he got what it... That was the challenge, wasn't <laughs> oh, a co-listener. Right, right, right. The point was somebody who listened to our show who was interested in your topic, and he was like, I know what that means. I'm going to check that show out. That's so, awesome. Oh, man. You're welcome. Congratulations. All right. And then after this one, I'll get like another one. And you might have one more. Two. You'd yeah. have two. That'll it's narrow two casting that you're doing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so we're narrowly handing people off. Well, I'm excited to have the three of you together, uh, the three of you here with me in some version. Um, this episode is brought to you by our fabulous Meat Buddies, people who have been uh, donating to the show. You can become one and help us out at readdistrict.com slash Meat Buddies. And uh, the vast majority of that money that I take in for the show goes to guests for being here. So for doing the homework and for hanging out with me. So I have to, as usual... Since I was a young, rich kid, mm-hmm. I have to pay people to hang out with me. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. Um, oh, I do want to say something else about season two. So um, here's the thing about season two that I... Uh, so we've been, do- we've been doing the show forever. 
There's been a lot of different sort of hearts of the show. Read and Weep used to be about books. That's been a long time. Uh, that was a long ago. But one thing... So here's my driving force between season two. Here's the energy I'm thinking about for season two. My friends in high school used to play this game called What Is This Song About? You'd hear a song come on the radio, and you'd ask everybody, what's this song about? And then you got you would describe... Everyone would describe not what the actual lyrics meant, but what the point in your life that you listened to this song was. So somebody would be like, oh, man, this song is about uh, the time I was making out with Lindy. She, We had this, like, like we would go behind the, the middle school bleachers and then we'd listen to the song on our little portable radio. This song is about that. And someone was like, no, no, no. This song is about getting in a fight with your mom and going to the garage and playing guitars. And uh, so so what I, what I love about that is that uh, it's media. It's a real diverse, specific song. You can really do anything to that jam. I like right. it. Yeah. yeah, I like a song that's got a lot of range. Yeah, what song could that have uh, possibly been with some violent that was for those sexual two energy? Great question. Yeah. Uh, the year would have been 99, 98? Does that, just like this movie? Does that help? Oh, Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai. Thank that's you so it. much. Yeah, wow. I thought it sounds like definitely that, had a Wait, how is this so that. hard for you to imagine a song that is both about get making out with a girl and being mad at your mom? I feel like most songs from my childhood were about that. Okay, well, that's just you and your we weird thing are. that you got going on. <laughs> the guitars was me wi- projecting and wishing I'd played guitars when I was mad. I just didn't have right. anything. And you wish you were mad at your mom more, you know? No, or I... Maybe that... you wished you made out with your mom more. No. Nope. Or well, okay, you wish so you made out with your mom with a guitar. Stop combining <laughs> these ideas. It's freaking me out. Um, anyway, so that was our game. Wait, what was the song about? Also, what were you doing with a middle schooler at this time, Alex? <laughs> what were you a little... <laughs> like, I did what? math. Man. The year would have been yeah. 95. I did terrible math just now. Okay, the point I'm making... <laughs> Not that any of this criticism is unfair, but the point that I am uh, I was trying to make is that uh, uh, I really love biographical use of media. So I like talking about stuff, not because of what the thing is about in the director's mind. I'm not an expert on film. Hunter knows a lot about movies. Anthony, you obviously know a ton about movies. Uh, I am not a movie expert. Um, but what I love doing is talking about what is this song actually about. So the theme of season two, we're going to have a bunch of different subgenres, but the main theme is using movies to talk about people and to talk to people about what their lives are like. So uh, this month, uh, for or this first chunk, uh, act one of season two, I don't know how this breaks down, but we're talking about um, does it hold up? So we're taking things that meant a lot to a person in their youth, just like Jamiroquai meant a lot to me when I was in middle school and beyond. Uh, and uh, we're talking about we're talking about movies and I bring people in to ask, ask them to pick a movie and talk about something that meant a lot to them and we don't know if it held up. Does it still mean the same thing that it did to you as you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Last week we talked about Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Held up for everybody except me. I had never seen it. Uh, and right, me, but then you wouldn't really apply to the, exactly. to the concept. But right? it is interesting to see how does the movie affect you coming in as an adult versus when you were a youth, which mm-hmm. I, have, totally. I cannot say uh what it would have been like to see fight club for the first time now that would be a very different experience for yeah me, yeah for sure um but uh so this is uh hunter this is your time so that's season two what's the song about so uh hunter this was your selection what's our topic today it, uh oh we're talking about fight club fight club but i didn't really i didn't really that makes it sound like i was like i want to talk about fight club well what you- happened was <laughs> we just started talking about fight club one time and you were like whoa you seem really loaded about this yeah. like Let's, uh, How is it different to say you wanted to talk about Fight Club versus you were constantly bringing Fight Club up and talking about I it? I just don't want to make it sound like I was like had some like hot take that I was like, oh, I got to get this this Fight Club 
talk, Al. I got this. Just happened organically. Okay, so sure. This all, came up. That's, and that's a, my uh, only. You con- had a lot to get out about Fight Club. The point. So what was? The, yeah. So we were talking <laughs> about Fight Club, uh-huh. and you were kind of lo- you were kind of hot under the collar about it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. why why does Fight Club? bring up this kind of feeling for you well i think it's because i liked it so much when i was a kid like i really liked fight club a lot when i was in high school like it really meant it really meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. um and then like do you remember what it meant to you or why um, it meant so much to you i all of the like pseudo philosophical stuff i was just like like just and it's also dumb now but like (sighs) i was just like you know snapping my fingers to every line you know just like (laughs) this is poetry to me right here you are not your job um because uh, last week we had a thing when uh just a wildly different age group and i found that uh affected uh that pretty wildly can i just get an age check-in with everyone on the podcast yeah the movie came also, out in 99 last so week I- the ages ranged from like 29 to 33 that was our wildly different age range <laughs> mm-hmm. um but enough that i just i'm curious if it's if it's are we that close with fight club because i you know Went through a very similar thing. Yes, I have a similar that. story. Laura, you're the one I've never talked about Fight Club with before. So where did Fight Club come to you in your life? Uh, it came out when I was in high school. Uh-huh. I'm 33. Did you watch it then? So I did. I watched it then. Uh, and did it? Did the pseudo philosophy appeal to you as much then as it did to young Hunter? Um, like a little bit. I do remember liking it and being like, yeah, having a job sucks. <laughs> um, but I don't think that like that movie was necessarily for me i don't think it was um, either i don't think it was for us it, like the yeah. idea of a movie about no, like I you are not was, your I job think... at 16 year olds like we were not consum- no it was for little boys it's for That's boys for. that movie That's is about the like men being in love with themselves i think that is true <laughs> but the idea that i think the difference between boys being in love with themselves and men being like i think boys responded to it but i don't think that was chuck's target demographic when he wrote fight club because like that whole seat, the, the whole Ikea catalog, the idea of buying furniture that defines you, none of us had ever bought a stick of right, furniture ever, at this ever. point. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, fuck and Ikea. how invested yeah. in capitalism were we at that point Exactly. We were there was no Ikea anywhere near me at that point. And I was living in a smaller town. We have no Ikea. Why was I so mad about I- Ikea? I don't know. I don't know why I was. I totally, it spoke to me. Yeah. I was like, I was just, I'm so on this. Uh, That's so interesting. Anthony, the same thing for you then. So it, it, it came out I, when we were all about high school age and we were mad about consumerism. I mean, I also think that there's a very like um, suburban punk rock kind of yes, attitude to totally. it. Totally. Yes. Yes. There is like this. I I, I mean, and you, you can see in the way that this the, the film has been like a little pro- prophetic in the way of just like you take people whose lives aren't too bad, but it's just not what they're promised or what they think they deserve. Yeah, you know, and terrible then you middle, just, middle management at large corporations. It, yeah. Well, you just you give people something to be angry about and they'll pretty much allow you to do anything, right? Like they... You can get people to do that. Like, that's just something that I think really, like, reflects and, like, really related to me as, like, a kid, at least. Um, You know, because I I think, I don't know about you guys, but there's definitely a, uh, 
I didn't quite get the satire of the third act as much as the incredibly blunt first two acts really mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. made an impact on me as a kid. You know, like I was very much able to like not actually stop and like think, oh, this third act is now like completely making fun of like everything that I thought was cool in the first two acts. Right? So like this, it's this is a great time for me. I would like to I would like to drop a confession in here right now. So I do not, as an adult, understand the satire of the third act. I definitely did not as a kid, but I also don't now. And I remember when, the, so I was hanging out with mostly like slightly older kids than me a couple years ahead of me who showed me this movie. And I remember them saying like, yeah, when we first saw it in theaters, people were fighting out in the parking lot. They totally didn't get it. And I was like, yeah, it's not really about fighting. I get that because I am also cool. But yeah. I don't, I am not sure what this is. I am not sure where the satire is supposed to be hitting. Because what I am hit with overwhelmingly is that blowing up banks is cool. Right, yeah. Are we supposed the to side with the banks in the end? I'm confused. Yeah. Are so, we supposed to be mad about these banks being blown up? Yeah. So well, no, it's, it's more of a, like, this guy who is a hero is literally a crazy person running around in his underwear. Yes. Yeah. And that people are following unconditionally, right? Like, he, he okay. didn't... He didn't actually give them anything. He replaced one thing for another, right? He's a he's a charlatan. He's a con man. He's a crazy person. Like, right. if you follow this ideology, this is where it gets you. This empty, alone in a room with a bullet hole in your fucking head. Like, this, mo- this movie does not... Like, Tyler is not the hero of this film. He's not supposed to be idolized. He's not supposed to, like, think that, like... It, it's it's kind of like a Scarface, Wolf of Wall Street thing. Like, people are going to take the wrong thing from it. But, like, this movie is, like, you're not supposed to, like, walk around. Like, yeah, the bank thing, what they believe. Like, that's still cool. That's cinematic as shit. But, like, the actual story of n- the narrator and, so, like, his relationship with Tyler at the end is... But in the end, he wins. Yeah. The banks fall down. Right. He's got a girlfriend. And, and it's cool. cool. And yeah, he seems cool. Like, it's really cool. And he's and Brad Pitt. It, he's the literally the coolest. That yeah. is the representation. I get that. I feel like, Anthony, what you're saying, like, I, I think you're right. Like, I feel like this is the yes. intention. However, in yes. what way does the movie actually do that like it's like i get that oh. chuck thought that and that that is yeah. the idea yeah but the movie actually made all of that really cool and sexy literally had brad pitt play yeah. the devil yeah. and yeah. he was sexy and cool so in, well, if, if and when people bo- take away from it like oh that was really sexy and cool i'm gonna go start a fight club like can you really fault them like they I, made it awesome well, I just, it, yeah go ahead uh, it seems like it's been so formative like when i was watching re-watching it for this i was like, oh my god, this movie is like explaining all the guys that I've been dating lately who yeah. are like 29 yeah, right. and are like, oh, I don't need another woman. Like, <laughs> I need to like be alone and sad and like fuck a duvet cover. And I'm like, oh my god, like this movie influenced like so many dudes. What and they now need is to I understand. And yeah. slap each other's bald heads. I identified with Marla in this way that like spooked me to my core where I, I was like, well, yeah, she's Helen Bottom Carter. She's also fucking cool. She is cool. Yeah. And, like, I feel like when I watched it when I was young, I was like, she's sad and, like, gross. And when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, my God. She just, like, Dealing dates pants. assholes. Like, I, <laughs> I ah, God. Yeah. But also, like, she's kind of sad and gross, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. She's surviving. She's hustling, you know? Yeah. Right. I still yeah. Think she's yeah. she's not, like, a cool character that, like, I yeah. want to be like. I just, like, yeah, I... 
To this day, I occasionally see a thrift store across the street from a laundry mat, oh, and yeah. I think I that's not a bad idea. It's right? right there. Yeah, she's like, scrappy. Yeah, she's that... real scrappy. The stealing the food. Um, I, I I guess I am. Um, um, I wonder if I'm the dumbest then for feeling that way. So, uh, Hunter, your point is that it's easy to make that mistake, which I appreciate you giving me. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I every other movie agree with that as well. But I would say it's like people who see Scarface and walk out and say the world is yours. I got to get the money, is, then you so get the girls. You know, I like, until they, you said that, it never occurred to me that Scarface wasn't fucking cool. That's why college guys put Scarface posters on their yeah. wall because they're like, that's Al Pacino. Right. That guy's cool. Yeah, I mean, there. It's you know, it's if you want to get really like into kind of like the sort of. You know, it's like where they say it's impossible to make an anti-war film because war is inherently too cinematic to be an anti-war film. I didn't like, know they say that, but man, what a great line. Yeah. But like, it's just like there's uh, the the way the power of cinema. Cinema is an empathy machine, you know, to quote Roger Ebert. It's, yeah. it's you you have that like, there is just a, a, a certain nature that like when like, I think that's why as someone, again, g- who grew up in Portland at this time, Chuck Palahniuk was like, totally. I felt like was the biggest author in the world because that's just the way everyone talked about him at yeah. my school and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, that I think that the, there's like the book kind of gets that more. There's also the uh, something I didn't really get till this viewing was the, uh, and this is going to sound really dumb because this is really obvious is the, the uh, like the homosexual Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. The main Tyler. Clearly very gay. Yeah. Super gay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like that. Oh, okay, well, sorry. And just so, like this whole idea of let's like. Let's just say I'm the person who doesn't get subtlety. So could you give yeah. me more on that? Because I did not notice you that. You that part where they're hanging out and Brad Pitt's in the bathtub? A little weird, right? That was <laughs> weird. Yeah. Why was he just hanging out with Brad Pitt? That's pretty obvious one right there. When he. Another scene that's very satisfying as an adult in 2019 is watching Jared Leto get the shit oh kicked out God, of him. Oh my God, same. Literally but same. His face is so punchable, especially yeah. with that like bleached so blonde funny. hair. Fuck oh my Jared God. Leto. I almost had to like turn it off. I was like, I'm too high to like see him with that <laughs> hair. But then I remember that he gets beat up. Yeah, that was right. tight. That was a highlight yeah, for that, sure for that me is, as well. That's a, that's a real yeah. highlight. Like, that part has aged very well. Oh my God. Yeah, that is the one part I was like, I would. held up. Yeah, watch. Watching yeah. him get beat but, up was But uh, the point of the reason he got beat up is because Edward Norton was like, jealous. oh, daddy doesn't love jealous me as of much himself. as he loves. Uh, like, the had, ultimate. Jealous of himself hanging out with this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus. And I don't I don't know if it's daddy as much as it's daddy. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Dad. I did not wow. catch that until you say yeah. it now. The yeah. bathtub scene did occur to me that it was weird. I was like, man, it's weird that he's watching that guy take a bath. And then I was like, oh, wait, but he's him. So he's always there when he's taking a bath. But... Yours is also a very interesting yeah. reading. Well, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, also I, a per. Yeah, I don't know. Also, he, Brad Pitt's abs. It's very yeah, attractive. It's, Hello, you know, very uh-huh. good looking when abs. He's, <laughs> when he's talking to Merla and he he keeps referencing us, you know, and she's like confused because she thinks he's talking about them. Like right. he's mm-hmm. talking about us because that's the relationship that actually matters. You know, he's he's fucking Merla because he thinks that's what good attractive guys do. I mean, that's why. Tyler does it. That's not right. why he right. does it. You but know, like he's he with, is with doing... dish gloves on. Right. That's how the yeah. cool guys do sex. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> they that's what he imagined. <laughs> that's yeah. that was his it. Was yeah. like, no, you got to wear kitchen gloves. Yeah, <laughs> it's freaky. There's so many things that crack me up uh, still as an adult, and one of them is Brad Pitt opening the door in the middle of fucking, and he's wearing dishes gloves, dish mm-hmm. one, like yeah. yellow rubber gloves. Uh, 
It's very funny to me. The, another thing that really cracked me up that I didn't get as a as a kid was the the scene when they're on the bus and everyone's like looks at this model and goes, "Is that what a man looks like?" And then Brad Pitt. <laughs> Who's who Brad looks, Pitt? Who's Brad Pitt? Yeah. Times. He's We're supposed Brad to Pitt. suspend our disbelief yeah, and be Brad like, Pitt. oh, those uggos. Like. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, definitely not. Tell me who figure can't Pitt. tell me how to dress. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, honey. Like, yeah. wow. Like, that is such a funny joke that it's, it's like, it has to be posed. Like, they were like, that's a really stupid thing for this guy who looks better than this model. Just right. like when Brad yeah. Pitt says, like, that, you we're know looking... What, well, I want to say something. That's a good. That's say. an example of the good satire in this movie. I agree. Like that yeah. is that is the stuff that mm. does actually work and clicks. It's the big huh. stuff that doesn't work for me. Like at the like the big overall story stuff. Yeah. But like moments like that, I'm like, yeah, I totally get this movie. This Where it's is like great. people who are not oppressed, like are like taking on a little yeah. taste of oppression just for like for, for kicks. Yeah. yeah. For a vacation. Right. They're like, we're we're too calm at work. Like yeah. we should be right. mad. Yeah. Or even just the idea that society doesn't want you to like, or do- doesn't want men to like fight when we have like MMA fighting and like. Well, but like, we yeah. didn't at the time, right? Like, I mean, there I was wrestling. There's like always we had wrestling. Sure, there's but plenty of violence think... to go around in the culture. Yeah. Like, it's not like it doesn't feel like violence has ever really been oppressed in any way. Like, yeah. No, no, that's certainly true. And I, but I, and I, and I think that's kind of interesting. Is like people are like, our lives are too safe. We need, like, we need to try out. D- like the danger of fighting mm-hmm. which like it's all white dudes like only a white dude would oh, say that <laughs> like <laughs> like <laughs> also i was totally wrong ufc started in 93 all right never mind wait what U- uh, ufc yeah, yeah. started in 93 i didn't hear about it till after this movie but mm-hmm. i was wondering mm. if this movie is related to like the rise of mma but nope other way nah. um, i i guess i feel like the big one of the things that really screws up the big satire is that they changed the ending to make him win. So, like, in the ending of the book, mm-hmm. he's in a mental hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And one of the janitors pushes by and is winks at him and is like, I'm in Fight Club 2. Wink. And then mm. you're like, oh, but he's not doing great. This was a, yeah. like, he's in in jail, in a, in a mental health prison. Um, and in the movie, they were like, instead of, what if we replace that with the fucking Pixies? Uh-huh. And so it's just, yeah. just, it's so cool. So it's much harder to take away from that ending. Like, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. I mean, this is cool, but man, he shouldn't have done that. But it's so cool. But it it's is like cool. legit one of the coolest endings in it's any an movie. It and then the dick. It's the coolest ending. It's so cool. Uh, whereas <laughs> it's it's like uh, the, well, the dick I is mean, just very funny. It's not a cool dick. It was just that. But it, it no, it was a cool dick. It actually was a pretty cool dick. I don't like remember. I was like, that's yeah. a cool dick. That's <laughs> it's what I said. Like a normal. dick. He was wearing a, sunglasses. Seemed kind of cool to me. That's a cool thing for a dick to do. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't it smoking hey. a cigarette? <laughs> okay, all right. Just like yeah, everyone yeah. else in the movie, just always was, a cigarette. It was a dick smoking a cigarette, I'm pretty sure. But the that callback cool. of that joke at the end is like a very funny ending, and that song is... Un- and at the time, I'd never heard the Pixies. Yeah, me neither. I, yeah. Pixies, I was like, this is an unbelievably cool song. Honestly, that, just, in, just that, just that scene, just the fact that w- that's how I heard Where Is My Mind, yeah. that, cha- that changed everything. Yeah. Just yeah, that. I can identify with that for sure. Yeah. Like, that was in the zeitgeist. Yeah major it's sort of like you you guys uh do you ever read the book clockwork orange yeah Uh, maybe so the so clockwork orange yeah the ending's super different so the ending of clockwork orange is he grows out of being violent like the last chapter is 21 chapters which is symbolic for growing up and the 21st chapter is about him like he's secretly even though he's still in his fighting gang He's like, his heart's not in it, and he's carrying around a picture of a baby, and he's like, someday I want to be a dad. <laughs> and then, like, there's this, like, the the realization, though, of that is that, like, violence is 
like wanting to tear down the world is youthfulness and wanting to build something as adulthood. And that's the point of the book. And then that was popular in England. And then an American publisher was like, Americans don't give a shit. Let's just lop off that, make it 20 chapters. He ends with being a cool fighter. Mm. And then yeah. that got made into the movie that Stanley Kubrick made. So it's very cool. And there's no satire. That is all. Uh, I mean, or there's some, but it's like sucked out. He wins. Violence is awesome. No one grows up. But and this I, has got I a similar that, feel to it to me. I, I think that, I mean, the Clock of Goins example is one that I, I think that like you, you get that he was adapting a different story than the one that the book was necessarily telling. Like sure, yeah, Kubrick's yeah. ending works because the story that he tells in that film is like thematically resonant with that. It's the same with like all this changing and like the shining of stuff. He just, he adapt, he changed the material to do it. And I think that David Fincher does that in this movie when he does remove a lot of the uh chuck palinick things but like david fincher is also someone who just is really good at creating iconic images but has never come off as someone who thinks a lot about what they mean he just makes really pristine movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean and this yeah. is fucking cool it's it really, pristine yeah, it's the, yeah. the the uh there were so many things that i don't even remember i hadn't remembered like the um the cg of like pulling back from yeah. the garbage of the coffee cup out to it or through the gun, like just the, mm-hmm. the super macro lens type CG and then pulling out to a regular shot is mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, it's funny to think about like, I forgot that Fincher was so like, cause he doesn't really do that anymore. But, like, Fight Club Panic Room Fincher was just all about that digital floaty camera going mm-hmm. through walls yeah. and stuff. And now his films are all, like, just super controlled and precise. And But I feel still... like that actually kind of goes together. Like, he had to fake it before, but now right. he really can yeah, be, like, God. Like, and it's, yeah. like, God's eye going through everything. Oh, like, so I feel like that's his whole philosophy on cinema is just, like, yeah. he's an omniscient observer. I really yeah. like those super zooms. Let's talk about yeah. uh, though. Let's talk about some of the lame stuff real quick. Uh, yeah. this real quick. So yeah, there, let's, let's get all the Duncan out of the way. Let's do a little Duncan for a second. Good. So, uh, are you guys you guys Reddit people? Do you guys hang out on Reddit? No. No. Uh, yeah. No. Okay. I, I, my, I know Reddit. My my favorite one of my favorite subreddits is uh, it's like I'm 14 and this is deep, uh-huh. and it's just screenshots uh, of right. like kids saying things that are and oh my God. and like. The things you own end up owning you. It's oh. such a, it's just perfect for I'm 14 and this is deep. Yeah. There were quite a few. There was one that was like, uh, self-improvement is just masturbation. masturbation. Yeah. And I thought about that all night. So I was like, what is this low rent Jenny Holzer bullshit? Like, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. In literally. that it's like healthy and part it's, of most people's lives in the long run. I mean, yeah. I was just like, man... All these teenage boys were walking around like, yeah, self-improvement is bullshit. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, you're, yeah, so many. Yeah. The uh, casual, like, joking, uh, kind of played for uncomfortable laughs of a a work shooting. Uh, Oh, yeah, I hated that. That really surprised me. And that's just like, that's, it's it's been 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it certainly hasn't aged well, but also, like, it shouldn't have been funny then either. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. And there are fewer... We're just supposing that because we were children. We're just right. saying, like, this must have been acceptable, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It certainly was to me when I was 16 because that's yeah. a thing that I remember a lot about being in high school is thinking terrible things are funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, because I was in that, like, uh, s- suburban middle class high school. And I, I, my theory, I figured this out, I think, is that the, you know, you know, those guys know the saying, like, uh, comedy is 
uh, tragedy plus distance or tragedy plus time. Mm-hmm. When you are living in the suburbs in Reno, literally every tragedy is at a distance. So everything is funny to you as a teenager because nothing bad's ever happened. None of your friends uh, have ever gone through anything. So just everything seemed funny because I was a sheltered piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now it's like, oh, I've I've seen things and uh, you know, still not much. I'm still pretty sheltered, but like. Uh, like, so now I, f- I feel like that kind of joke hurts a lot more than it did then. But I don't know. Would my parents have laughed at it at the time or so? Like, we're, would they probably us wouldn't have, no. have laughed at this well, in Well, I mean, 99? I think, mm. like, in 99, going postal was still, like, a oh, late yeah. night. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there was, yeah, like, a different... Like, there, there was a very different reality in terms of, like... Like, it's supposed to be intimidating and scary, but, like, the guy doesn't take it. He doesn't fire him immediately, no. right? It's not yeah. played off in, like, he lets him casually come into his office a few days Just kind of, like, weird know? joke, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna go. <laughs> like, uh, like there, it was, I don't think it, like, it was certainly not supposed to be laugh out loud hilarious. I wasn't trying to imply that, but it's it's just, it's the type of thing that, like, you you didn't you wouldn't think about it at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see uh, that. in the way that it's such a part of our reality now that it's impossible to like stop thinking about that scene after it happened for me at least. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I uh uh what else was there? Uh we're, oh this is you referenced a second ago. We're we're a generation of men raised by women. I'm wondering if another <sighs> woman is an answer. Oh my God. What yeah. I what is this generation so what are you hard. talking about and see it's so weird though when trying to approach like all of the different ideas that this movie has peppered in because like every time someone brings up an individual thing like it's I mean most of them are quotes from like Brad Pitt or it doesn't even really matter who's yeah. saying it it's all satire right so like what like and then mm-hmm. how do you like look at all of the ideas that this movie has and qualify which one is like definitely oh we don't really mean this at all because right. this is like an unreliable narrator or we have an unreliable narrator right. and then we have a character that is essentially the devil yeah so like i just needed a character to like trust i think like yeah. just one character and marla's yeah. like the closest you get to it but like she's not in the movie a whole lot yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, they uh just kind of forgot to develop her as a character i think it's i mean i think it makes sense like i i do think it's satire but the whole movie is about like masculinity and yes. like reclaiming some kind of masculinity and like they they postulate pretty early on that like like being like a an office guy and like getting shit from IKEA they kind of feminize it and they're sort of like yeah. that's yeah. like some like that's like what our mommies wanted Nesting. us to do right right, right yeah You're why do I know what we should be is. like out yeah. there like sleeping in a on the floor yeah in a, losing in our a garbage teeth, house yeah. no ladies yeah, it's, around it's, you know he the whole opening act of the movie is is tied up into support groups and especially like the testicular cancer yeah yeah, yeah. sure it's such a part of like this i think of like this manhood that is robbed from us you know like he can relate he literally has tits well so yes yeah yeah. first thing that happens in the movie and that's yeah yeah well so so let me let me just ask the dumb question then so is remaining men together and then that's that's their their group they go to and then it doesn't work out so they join this fight club and that's where they really get a better support in trying to be men is that supposed to be good or supposed to be bad? Is remaining men, like, is this theme of masculinity making fun of guys who want to be cool, or is it supposed to be cool to remain well, a man? How do you think it ends up for Bob there? Like, yeah, Bob's It doesn't dead. go great <laughs> for Bob. Uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah. that's the question, Alex. How, do, how does that work well, but out see, for Bob there? But see, that's the thing, though, is they transition what? out of... I feel like what you're asking is, like, is the idea of a fight club, like, a good or bad thing? But the, the story... 
goes away like it like there's the fight club and then there's they literally basically become like a skinhead organization yeah um i, I do think which that, i like, think we can all say is probably bad but it is pretty, yeah. wasn't <laughs> so cool and 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 also i feel like there's this desire for uh like instead of the masculinity thing the thing that's kind of interesting to me is a desire to belong and that's what they are offering in Project Mayhem yeah. that people might not feel in I, their jobs. I have like one specific line that like really annoys me. And it yeah. might, it, again, like this, th- there, a lot of defense of Fight Club can just be like, no, that was meant to be comedy. And I don't know, like, but the part where Bo- uh, Bob is dead and the guy says, uh, oh, they shot Bob. And then right after that, they're like, well, people in Project Mo- Mayhem have no names. And it's like, yeah, but you just called him Bob. So yeah. like, why is yeah. this so, like, I don't, I don't know. Like even the internal logic of the movie sometimes the characters behave oh, right, in such yeah, a way yeah. where i'm like but you just called him bob yeah, right. and now you're and saying you that you guys don't have names yeah yeah i don't uh, know that's just like that's such a minor nitpicky like stupid one but like so get so grinds my gears so mm. so uh well let's, let me talk to you laura about this so <laughs> do you so you watched it it was loosely cool but it didn't feel like it meant as much to you as it did to say hunter so do you Correct. watching it now feel significantly different than you did at the time or does it feel generally pretty similar um i I feel pretty different i mean watching it as a teenager like i definitely didn't pick up on like the heavy themes uh and watching it now like as like a grown-up woman (laughs) uh yeah i mean i found it i found it almost unwatchable actually like just like the and i i do understand the satire of like you know these these men in the movie they they have nowhere to like process their emotions or like like integrate themselves into the world in like a healthy way because that's not valued so they have to like you know Edward Norton has to go to like uh, support groups to cry or like yeah. punch mm-hmm. people to like <clears throat> deal with his feelings and like uh, so I get that like the masculinity is a prison theme is definitely there uh-huh. but yeah I found it pretty pretty annoying to watch this time i was just like uh all the all the glorified uh like uh the glorified masculinity in that way was or satired and i can't or satire Uh, satire. i think it's i think it's a combination of both but i definitely maybe because the age i am and like the guys i know i really just feel like i was supposed to watch it right now because of all these men that I'm dealing with oh. in my personal life, and I'm just like, oh, this movie like influenced them. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like in the their thing was like with the satire. Even if it doesn't work, right? Like there is a problem with this film with the fact that like so many people refuse to engage with it on that level or don't even try. And when you when you you look at like the way other films, like the fact that like the Wolf Wall Street would make someone want to go and do that for a living, and they do, yeah. or like. We live in a day, an age of like men's rights activists right. and people yeah. have been red pilled right, and right. Yeah. you know men going there with this and there's like this whole cult of personality that of like I feel like people just completely have refused to take this movie at anything other than face value and it becomes it becomes very difficult to watch in that sense yeah right. like yeah. snowflake the term yeah. snowflake oh my god is yeah, yeah. totally yes yeah. and for all we know that's literally where it came from yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. well because it's like an accessible artsy movie so like people who like <laughs> aren't into intellectual shit can be like fight club is like really artsy and deep and it's it's very similar to me thematically on, on a, in a way that came out the same year, but The Matrix is a movie that 
has been like literally like red pill culture yeah. came from that movie yeah. and that is a movie by like two trans sisters mm-hmm. that is loosely a metaphor for their experience right yeah. Yeah. like and the like there is and the also Matrix. just like this it's got cool guns right yeah exactly it does have and, cool guns <laughs> and like this the matrix also has a theme of like no nah, man npcs are out there they're not real people these people jacked into the machine right. us yeah. you know people who are following these real news stories we know the real shit you wake know? up sheep yeah it's very they live like yeah, yeah like there is a like a uh, like people are going to interpret it in bad faith uh, yeah. And I think that when it would be something that's interpreted in bad faith in such an influential way that this movie has, that it it becomes really difficult to appraise yeah. it at all. You know, hopefully we'll, as a society, won't blow ourselves up and 20 years from now, Fight Club will be completely cool again. You know? <laughs> like, I think there's a distinction to be made, though, between Fight Club and The Matrix, although I totally agree with your point. Um, I think the difference is that in in the world of Fight Club, the characters speak in platitudes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost... Most of the lines are characters saying just, like, kind of, like, blanket philosophical statements, and a lot of the movie is very pseudo-philosophical. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's more... It's easier for someone to... Th- there's more of a slippery slope. If all of your characters mm-hmm. just basically speak in ideas, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's easier for them to be misinterpreted if the ideas are not sure. expressed in a concise yeah. way where we can just like completely understand it. Matrix is like allegory, and people might misunderstand the allegory that's being told, mm-hmm. um, but at least the characters do not... Like the characters still talk in like kind of a normal, regular, even if they're talking about science fiction elements or like they still, I don't know. Like that's one thing that really got to me in the movie is that I just wanted the characters to just like, just have a minute. Like there's like one scene where Marla comes by Edward Norton's house and like they're like gardening out front, all the Project Mayhem people. And I just remember it's like one of the only scenes where somebody, they just kind of have like a normal scene where people just act normal. Yeah. And it's yeah. actually, you actually feel for Marla for just a second. And then her. she just yeah. goes away yeah. and then it goes right back into the like Times yeah. character speaking like that. Yeah. It's yeah. exhausting. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the coolness of it, I want to wrap up on, on this here I and mean, some other little things I want to do. But um, the, the coolness and the greatness of the movie making really made it hard for me to decide how it held up for me so it's very well made it's i want to yeah made and there are so many tiny moments that just delight the shit out of me when brad or when uh when edward Norton forced first grabs uh marla's arm at the uh and she's filling her coffee cup and it just just overflows as he grabs her it's so cool looking it's such a great Mm -hmm. little detail Mm brad pitt's crash on the bicycle while he's riding a bike around the house which is not (laughs) cg or a stunt double that is brad pitt Uh crashing real hard on a bike Uh is amazingly funny yeah uh there's so many little things like that that just get i mean just the top three actor like the top the three top three build actors brad pitt edward norton uh and helena bottom carter is an incredible three people to watch do any movie totally Totally. uh there's so many so i was expecting especially from talking to you hunter I was going to watch this movie and I was going to be pure embarrassment about what a sociopathic child I was mm-hmm. because my favorite movies are move as a kid were movies where someone is doing something wrong and I just don't care about the part where they get their comeuppance. Like I would like uh, I loved Boiler Room, uh, mm-hmm. the evil salesman movie. You know what I'm talking about with the, nope. uh, Giovanni Ribisi. He's like a um, 
uh, it's a, he's an evil salesman. He's selling fake stocks, basically, and taking people's... Anyway, but it's got all this cool, masculine salespeople thing. And I would I loved it, except for the third act where he figures out he's hurting people and stops. Like, I would just watch the first act or two mm-hmm. of these movies uh, and just forget about all the sadness that it's causing. So, like, I was expecting to be purely embarrassed by that. And I forgot how good of a film it is as, like, the filmic parts. And yes. so I enjoyed it way more than I was expecting. So for me, like... I, I think my main problem is I feel like the 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 uh, screenwriters and the director did not make a clear enough satire that they may have let the satire be too subtle and it allowed me and other idiots to misunderstand it, but that there's still some really good filmmaking. So for me, holding up is like, I don't know, 60%? Well, what's weird is satire too, in general, even if it's done well, there is like a satire paradox type thing that happened. I mean, even there was that study that it was Stephen Colbert where, and I think we would, I mean, would you guys agree that the Colbert report was probably good satire? satire, Yeah, for sure. sure. I think most people would probably agree with that, but there was a study where like basically they they would set liberals down and they would watch Stephen Colbert uh, and liberals would be like, yep, I love this. He's totally skewering conservative you know uh media or whatever mm-hmm. and they would totally get it and they would set conservatives down and they'd be like i love all these points he's, he's totally making fun of liberals right <laughs> oh, now like they would just see yeah. like whatever they wanted yeah. to see yeah and there's uh and i'm stealing this right now from malcolm gladwell's podcast um oh. uh, uh episode history. 10 of malcolm gladwell's podcast called revisionist history is called the satire po- paradox is about this exact thing they don't talk about fight is club really? at all but i think a lot of the same principles apply i really loved that i've listened to every episode of that show and i do not remember this episode do you remember loads of money from that oh, okay no. so you don't remember this episode so there was this okay there is this is wild to me there was this british comedian i don't remember his name i actually i should have re-listened to it because i knew i would probably bring this up uh, his, uh <laughs> he had this character called loads of money and it was to it, he made it up to uh to make fun of thatcher and this character he was like a construction worker and he's just obsessed with money and that was his p- catchphrase he would just be like ah it's loads of money it's loads of money economy or whatever uh and he actually recorded a song that like charted in britain uh, as loads of money however that idea of loads of money the conservatives in britain just started using that because people thought it was funny and eventually margaret Th- margaret thatcher was like yeah our plan for the economy well we want a loads of money economy oh, so the satire shit. did not work the satire failed horribly yeah really failed really bad i must have missed this episode entirely because i think i remember this that is crazy yeah so I satire is hard. So I can really see how that applies always... to Fight Club for sure, though. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it yeah. wasn't We've Fight Club's fault. It was also a sign of the times. Yeah. Yes. The, so even so, I my one of my problems I think the satire is too subtle, and what you're saying is from satire evidence, maybe just doesn't even, even if work. they turn it up, <laughs> it might not work. Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, sorry, Anthony, I know we just cut you off, but I I and we need to wrap on this. So my I feel like for me about sixty percent. Laura, does it hold up? Uh, it sounded no. like zero percent. I yeah, z- can't I mean, can't handle it. Don't like it. Yeah. Would not watch again. Totally. Anthony, how's it holding up for you? Uh, I'd put it at like 70, 80% of, uh, it's not the type of movie that I would like run out to rewatch anytime again soon. Uh, I think I'm good for the rest of this decade at least. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I still, like I said, I like the filmmaking. I really like the performances, the cast, uh, and it was just so influential and very iconic to me as yeah. a kid. And I really loved the book. Um, and yeah, I think it, it loses a lot of the stuff that the book has. But I think it it's a pretty good adaptation overall. Uh, and now, Hunter, it's you know, yours. I, uh, it's Does hard it hold up? To, it's hard to answer this question because 
there the things that I don't like about it, I really don't like a lot. Yeah. But then there are lots of things that I just like. I would agree with everything. Basically, everything Anthony just said, I agree with all of that. Yeah. I just like. But I don't know. There's like so, a core so, element. I, so I'm going to say 50. percent okay. okay. Like everything that you could um, say is craft mm-hmm. is everyone is doing a lot of really good work. There's so much good craft. Yeah. 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 There's lots yeah. of good craft. I'm I just assuming think even the like, craft services were very good. Yes, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a lot of good food. These actors <laughs> seem well fed. You know what <laughs> I mean? Do. They yeah. feel like they're in a good mood. Like they were eating Jolly Ranchers or whatever. <laughs> they're you know? Yeah, they're just hanging they're out. Like, on the this food is good. It's, snack bus. It's really interesting that Chuck Palahniuk hasn't had really any other adaptations done. Because I think, like, I think they they did a choke movie. Yeah, they did a choke movie that no one, no liked. One liked. Oh, I but because I think he is of just the way he writes and stuff. This like would would be very tough to adapt. Like Fight Club is a yeah. really weird book to want to make into totally. a totally. Uh, just the Chuck Palahniuk's his whole like writing structure and like the way he does those like sing songy verses a lot. Yeah, the yeah. repetitive phrases. Yeah. Also, and the way just the way Chuck Palahniuk's works are like basically a collection of weird shit he's heard of more than a whole story is he's just like i've heard of people stealing laundry from laundromats and immediately selling it i've heard of people Mm -hmm. who uh uh who uh everything else like all the weird shit one of the one of the most cowardly changes they made is that they give fake instructions on how to make explosives in the the book concentrate would not help napalm (laughs) that would be the worst ingredient i never picked up on that yeah yeah yeah, i didn't either but i remember in high school i asked a chemistry teacher i was like does this sound right or do you think they changed it and he was like it makes. Orange I'm glad is, they changed it. You mean just but, orange water? Well, you think that? Well, I mean, you think orange water is napalm? Makes a flaming. Specifically, the uh, the scene when they're making soap and Tyler is explaining how to make nitroglycerin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the book, Chuck Palahniuk gives you step by step instructions on how to actually do that. Yeah. And in the movie, they changed it so by that cowardly wouldn't actually make uh, or cowardly decision. Uh, <laughs> what you said is cowardly. I would say is a real smart idea given how people actually started fight clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, responsible. You would not want them actually having bombs. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, I did. You guys read other other Polonics? I did. Yeah, I read Invisible Monsters, Invisible Monsters in high yeah, school. Yeah. yeah. Did you like that then? Yeah, I did. I have not read it since high school, and I believe that one I thought was okay. And Choke, I did not care for. And then like I read ev- Survivor. They got oh, no, Survivor was the second one, right? Survivor came right after. Yeah, I think the, no, Invi- Invisible Monsters was and then the Survivor? second book. I feel like yeah. Invisible Monsters and Survivor. I remember thinking were okay then, but I suspect I would. Hate I do them. not think they would hold up for me now yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I loved them in high school. And. Uh, and I, I did, so I, I met Chuck uh, last year, or the year before, he was getting interviewed on a radio show I was working for, um, and uh, we talked about it, because the comic book just came out, so Fight Club 2, mm-hmm. the comic oh. book, had just come out, which I started reading and could not get through. I read the first <laughs> few, and I was like, there's some good shit here, and then really uh, not into it. Uh, so, but one of the things he t- was talking about was like, yeah, like, if I had done Fight Club 2 right away, like, my first book was so successful, if I make Fight Club 2... The rest of my life is just making steadily less successful sequels to my own thing. I'm just chasing that first mm-hmm. thing I did. Mm. So I didn't want to touch it for like 20 years and come back to it. But the flip side is that he's not done anything that's reached anywhere near the pinnacle of that first thing still. He's just chasing it with different characters, it feels like. Yeah. Because wow. he hasn't had these other adaptations that have really worked. It doesn't feel like he is in, an influential writer in the same way that you, I mean, he's big for Portland, but I don't think people talk about Chuck Palahniuk Mm-mm. except for Fight Club. No, I actually yeah. uh, got made fun of for liking uh, Chuck Palahniuk in uh, college. Really? At my college at the University of Arkansas because the first two years I was in the English department and I remember a teacher, uh, 
I brought him up and the teacher made fun of me. And well, not, they didn't know I was bringing him up. Like it was one of those things where you bring somebody up and it's somebody you really like, but you just bring them up like flippantly or yeah, whatever. Just and, to test and then the, the other person is like, oh yeah, they suck. Yeah. I hate them. Like, <laughs> oh, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, well, I'll shut up then. Uh, this makes me want to go back and read Guts and see if it, like, if I think it's still novelty and fun or if it will make me vomit, if I'll be that guy again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He also yeah. really likes gross shit, which I... Yeah, yeah I, I feel mean, like the books got kind of gross out for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what turned me off. I mean, once it, like... I mean, when Guts came out, that was the thing, because he, he was, like, touring around just reading that story, and there was, like, every time he reads it, someone runs out and vomits. Yeah, and is it's that like, the this one where the guy's, like, uh, intestines get sucked out through his butt? And the pool drain, the pool? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the worst. Uh, that was yeah. the worst thing. Why did like, that happen? Yeah. He leans so far into that yeah. uh, around that time that it's kind of what sort of the tone me off, but... I am like maybe if I would read it now, it would just be like that's not nearly as horrible as I remember it, or maybe I'd be horrified. I honestly have no idea. I'm very curious. Um, well, so uh, I think that gives us we have kind of a nice spread on whether it holds up, but it's not 100 percent for anybody. But uh, before we go, I want to just do one quick thing, inspired by the movie, but not about the movie, um, which is that uh, this idea of creating a Tyler Durden. Uh, that is, this is all the things I wish I could be, but I am not any of these things. <laughs> so I think that's kind of interesting. So what do you guys imagine your Tyler Durden would be? Or if you prefer, what is your Sasha Fierce? You know, what is what is your <laughs> alter ego that is all of the things that you are bad at, that they are super cool in all those ways? Yeah, Alex, can I blow your mind real fast? <laughs> You're already living that life? No, I was going to say, look at the chair that you think I'm sitting in. <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> Anthony oh is my, my Tyler Durden. Here yeah. are all the cool <laughs> things I wish I could be. Yeah, Alex. I mean, you got <laughs> I really want to work in a pop standards. shop. Yeah, you got I want to do drugs like a cool person. I'm not there, but you're hearing my voice so clearly. Or maybe you're three, my Tyler. What if I'm in my room talking to myself right well, yeah, now? They, yeah, well. These are, <laughs> we, yeah. You, you, well, that's how much you... how how much your Tyler would be cool is you need three people to carry its weight to do all the cool shit. Well, I mean, really, I, I would think like that's just a better method to do it. Like, why have Tyler carry all that weight? I like the idea of having a nice rogues gallery. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Friends, you know? yeah, I also like the idea that he's like, man, every night I go to sleep and I become this like sort of like, corporate terrorist. But then also, if I take an afternoon nap, I become a dancer, and I have this life in the New York Ballet. And also, if I fall asleep in the morning, I'm a world-renowned dessert chef. Like, just all of the different parts of your personality coming out on their own. A rogues gallery, which for me are terrorist, ballet, dancer, uh, pastry chef. I don't know why that's Wait, the Wait, those are the three? Those are the three that I just the, came up a with. A terrorist, a uh, ballet dancer. Uh, those were, I riffed those, and then I was embarrassed. But that's, that's, but that's that I must thought. be true because it, it came from your mind. Yeah. Your yeah. id, sure. yeah. your that's my id, I is a terrorist ballet dancing who uh, person that makes pastries. For sure, my Tyler Durden is a chef. I'm confident <laughs> about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My Tyler Durden is a mean, chef. It is now that we we talk about all the problematic issues in this movie. I guess one of the big ones is this. This movie has not done help for a lot uh, for mental health awareness ah, as, yeah. as a society. So true. Yeah. Uh, I, this this is like you know it's this is one of those things as I get older and like yeah you know we get more aware and things we have to like just stop doing certain plots but like mental illness being used as like in a superpower that gives yeah. people like totally. is 
it's really like it's not great it's not great yeah Uh, there were a bunch of movies around that time i feel like girl interrupted was another one mm -hmm, like that definitely mm -hmm. like made like uh being crazy seem sexy to women a beautiful mind oh yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. mental mental illness as a plot twist Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, I mean, there's like uh, that. The whole splits glass universe is based around a villain having that as a superpower. You know, like they're still doing it. Is there is there another movie? I mean, is this like in terms of a uh, a twist ending where two people were the same person? Is this breaking interesting ground that way? Like, was there were there a lot of other examples of this before that? Well, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's a pretty famous example. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Jackass. But but that's not a twist, is it? No, it is. Did you not? Did you did you know that the original story? You don't know they're the same person. I've never actually read or seen the original story. No one. That's why you can't do an adaptation of that because everybody already knows. Yeah, everyone knows the twist. Of course you can. You just put Eddie Murphy in it. And right. then the- Eddie Murphy is <laughs> Dr. Jekyll. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, no, isn't that, what was the, what, what is that movie? Um, uh-uh. uh, the twist, like the, the, I think the clumps were a spinoff. Nutty of, Professor. Uh, Nutty oh, Professor. Nutty That's Professor. the one. Nutty Professor is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, basically, but his. No, no it isn't. Is no it? one watched no, it the Nutty Nobody's Professor like, and was like, like, I don't think these are both Eddie no, Murphy. No, no, I, no, no, I agree with that. <laughs> I know that. Wait, you're telling me. But isn't the Nutty Professor derived from the Jekyll and Hyde story? No, it's I... derived from the Nutty Professor. Which is itself <laughs> derived from the Jekyll and Hyde story, but as a comedy in the no, 50s I... and then a comedy in the 90s. Well, in, but... in do- is Dr. Jekyll trying to... Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll. Uh-huh. Uh, what is Dr. Jekyll trying to do that makes him become Mr. Hyde? Anthony seems like the expert on the original story. I, I don't remember that, but... What, what is his no, goal? I've, I don't know the exact story. I have never oh, actually man. read it. This I is embarrassing. We're getting so many embarrassed Yeah, people are right really now. mad right no, now. Like, no, all, those, all these Jekyll heads. Yes, so, it's a uh, fun <laughs> novelty thing, yeah. But it's a fun novel thing. It's The twist is so famous that it became... It is a great twist. The Nutty Professor uh, is a 1963 like, American oh comic sci-fi film. It is a parody of uh, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, okay. Okay. But again, oh, look, you know what? Right. I'm not hey, look, right often on hey, my look, own how shit. does it no. feel that you're right about your Nutty Professor knowledge? How did I get... I was right and you're still making me feel bad. How am I... I the yeah, asshole because, and because it's, it's Nutty Professor trivia. <laughs> it's based <laughs> off the story, but it's not based off the twist. Like again, no, no, it, I agree with it, that, Anthony. I, I was when not you watch Family that. Matters, where you like, but I can't believe Stefan and Steven are two different people. <laughs> it's <laughs> just you just said it was impossible to ad- adapt, and I'm saying it was adapted in the '90s, and I remember thinking it was very funny at the time, and I'm assuming would not hold up at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, but was I, I remember reading something about this and now I can't remember uh, the details of it, but I don't remember if because I believe Jacqueline Hyde itself, itself was a satire of uh, of something and we, all, and we get this, this story wrong. This is like a classical. It's an allegory I mean- and we all misunderstand. But like uh, like Hunter mentioned, I mean, doesn't even a beautiful mind have the same twist? Doesn't yeah yeah isn't Paul Bettany's character he's not real in that movie? Uh, well, it's mm. uh, it's Ed Harris's character, isn't it? Ed real. Harris is yeah yeah. The other important That's thing it. about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was that it was a story that he wrote, it was a book he wrote in his dream, and then he woke up and like wrote the story in three days, and it's one of the most famous stories of all time, which I think is pretty cool. What my so my dream Stallone stories are never that Rocky good. Rocky in one city. What high on cocaine? <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, there's that as an option. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, so, but give me some other things. What are your, uh, 
What are your Tyler Durdens like? My Tyler Durden. Sure, yeah. Uh, not human. Why, why would? <laughs> Why would my Tyler Durden be human? Yeah, why would it? Yeah, more than yeah, he'd be course. way more than you're, Brad Pitt. Would he? You know? Would he be your first sona? Is like, the question? Actually, yeah, your first sona. <laughs> Wait, or what? He, he said your yeah, first sona. It, it would be my first sona. Or would it be? <laughs> or would it be Brad Pitt in the vampire movie? No. So it's still Brad Pitt, but now he's more than human. Um, Brad Pitt would okay, you be? Okay, which Brad Pitt would be my Tyler Durden? Um, you know what? Benjamin Button, Brad Pitt, but when he gets young again and he's, he's on the motorcycle, oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. in my theater cheered when that wow. happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love when people are that are feeling it in wow. a movie. Yeah. And Me that too. was a good, wholesome Brad Pitt. That was yeah. not, yeah. you know, there's nothing good. I, that Brad Pitt did not offend Man, me. Man, this at all. is not the way I set up yeah. the game, but I like this. What Which your Brad Tyler Pitt Durden would be your Tyler Pitt. Durden? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like 12 Monkeys, Brad Pitt. Ooh, oh, okay. Good the call. Also, like. not well managed mental health. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's there's science fiction elements. It's a yeah. little more yeah. not more than world. human. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of an earlier Brad Pitt. I'm. Yeah. I uh, speaking of David Fincher and uh, I like when David Fincher and Brad Pitt work together. Seven. Uh, Benjamin Button. This. So any of those pits are good. Oh yeah. Uh, would you would yours be seven, Anthony? So, well, here's what I want to say. Next month, you this want him to ask blew what's my in mind. Your box. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know this, but David Fincher's next film is uh, the sequel to World War Z, starring Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, which I don't know why they World he would make that A A, or does yeah, it go back to World War Y? World War Z <laughs> okay. two. I really like that I've said this before on the show, but my favorite thing is when sequels, instead of being two, it's like a consecutive number. So like Oceans twelve. Uh-huh. I just that or uh hundred and two Dalmatians, it tickles me. So I want it to be World War uh Z Z A, Z B. I don't know. Z World War Zombie yeah. Vampires. World <laughs> War Z V. Yeah. Uh, actually Brad Pitt and Moneyball wouldn't be a terrible Brad Pitt to have Ooh. your alter be that smart and, and and cool. I feel like mine would be Brad Pitt from True Romance. He's like a young stoner. Oh yeah. I feel like that's oh, like sure. a yeah. I don't know if I have any like identifying as Brad Pitt moments. Yeah, I, I could say that again, man. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, see I could <laughs> wait the guy comes to the door. That's so that's a very little honey. Um, Very funny how about Brad Pitt voice acting in Sinbad? That's I'm an gonna say no. No, Sinbad uh, like uh, as in the, the sailor, the animated Sinbad, Sinbad, the Legend of the Seven Seas. Yeah, Don't you so remember the that? sailor. Yeah, yeah. The sailor. yeah. Sinbad, yes, the sailor. not the comedian. He was yeah, not okay. Okay, in an animated <laughs> film about the comedian. Just, you, when uh, you say Sinbad, there's two. There's only two, and they're very different. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's, that didn't. Didn't go exactly how I'd planned, but I like it. <laughs> really quick before we go, uh, I have to read some some very brief listener mail uh, and some fan facts. Uh, so the first listener mail, um, actually, uh, yeah, Anthony, this is this is uh, for us. Um, but uh, a good friend of the show, Ezra, who's also a co-host and is not here today, uh, wrote in. He listened to the last episode, Anthony, when I talked about uh, um, the crow. Yeah. yeah, remember we did that fan fact about, was it Pete the Crow? I think it was Pete. Um, anyway, the the Crow in, just to catch you guys up. So, okay, so we watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and there's this weird-ass crow mm-hmm. uh, that just hangs out in the bank for no reason. They never talk about it. And it turns out that crow is the same crow that's in The Wizard of Oz and like 1,200 other movies. What? He is the most famous crow actor of all time. It's a It was a trained crow. 
that is in every movie that has a crow for like a 15 year period. And he was. And then he got. Then he got murdered on the set of his throwing roll, The Crow. It was very sad. <laughs> oh God! Also, he got murdered. There were just ten of him. Um, yeah. The uh, anyway. I got the joke, but good. I'm not I laughing like, at it. Yeah, yeah. I just you like everybody it. to know. Thank you. It's it was a, a, I got it. I got I, it, but in protest. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, anyway, very very famous crow, and uh, it was such a well. This is a, this, it. Really, was a fun fan fact. There's. It was so talented. It could he could type. He could carry shit around, and so he was a very expensive. I can crow. type. I think that crow would be my Tyler Durden. That I would love to <laughs> know how to I type. Like it. So he he rented out at like five hundred dollars an hour, and so what they would do is they would whenever the crow in the movie had to do something cool, it would be that crow, and then when it was any other shit. They would bring in a cheaper crow. Wow. So he had like 15 body double crows that rented for like $100 an hour. Anyway, we talked all about this last week. And at one point, Anthony said he is the Marlon Brando of crows. And Ezra, the, my forever co-host, um, uh, who's on every other episode, uh, wrote in to be very angry that we did not immediately say he was Marlon Brand Crow. Hmm. And I got to say, I went through like an hour long text message conversation with Ezra about how mad he was. That we did not catch right away that there was that portmanteau available. Um, and so, just as a reminder, Ezra would prefer anytime you hear two words that sound similar, please try smashing them together. That's the most important thing to him, even when he's not here. So, Anthony, let's try to keep that going. I don't want to fuck that That's up anymore. Me. Yeah. Well, no, you said, you said, Marlon. Uh, Marlon Brando of Crows. Right. I should have been in It was your response. job. Yeah, yeah, it was the rest of us let you down. Um, also, in uh, fan facts this week, uh, after we talked about the crow, we also uh, mentioned a bear. Anthony, do you remember what we talked about Bart I the do bear? I remember the bear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, oh, Bart the bear. Uh, yeah, we talked about Bart the bear. And so uh, Zach McFly on Twitter all, uh, wrote in to tell us to make sure we talked about um, uh, another very great bear who's also a war hero, Wojcik the bear. Uh, sometimes Which spelled Wojtek. Uh, good question. He's a Syrian brown bear uh, who, uh, let's see, uh, uh, it was used in the, uh, God damn it, I read this and now I've forgotten. Uh, during the ba- Battle of Monte Cassino in Italy in 1944, he helped move crates of ammunition and became a celebrity bear uh, visiting allied generals and statesmen. Um, anyway, you know, he's, a good, he's a good bear. Yeah, no, this is fun. Bear. Eventually, if we keep doing all the famous bears from movies, we'll do the bear that killed the guy in Grizzly Man. Oh, so yeah. I love that bear. That's, a, yeah, that, that's probably that's my favorite bear. celebrity bear, for oh yeah. sure. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, so I definitely keep them coming in. Yeah, I yeah. think that's really, uh, We're going to start in chronological bears. order, and when we get to Werner Herzog in 2002, we'll fucking <laughs> talk about that bear. Was it Mr. Chocolate that killed... Timothy was that that bear? No, it was a stranger bear. Oh, it was oh, yeah, yeah, unnamed yeah. bear. Yeah, it was a bear he didn't know. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's bear. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta know that's better than the to take talk away, to stranger bears. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> stick to the bears you know. Uh, yeah, you know. Well, go ahead. Ezra. I mean, that's what they want us to believe, right? I didn't hear that audio. I don't know who right. killed that guy. Yeah, really. no one shall ever listen to this audio. Conspiracy from Big Bear. I don't know about you guys, but I don't take Werner Herzog's word for a lot of shit. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm narrator, right? So maybe one. Werner Herzog listened to that, and the bear was like, "I am innocent. I didn't do it." And he's like, "No one needs to hear this. It'll ruin my movie." <laughs> Man. Uh, uh. All right. So if you guys have any more fan facts, if you have any more bears that we have not discussed that are really important, I will. I will accept all 
uh, upcoming bears. Winnie the Pooh. We could talk about Winnie the Pooh, the real bear uh, um, that he's inspired by because it's like one of the most famous bears of all time. Wait, you don't know about the that's real true? Winnie the Pooh? There's yeah. the actual real I Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I'm very famous bear. The most famous bear in, in all of the UK. Well, obviously um, not uh, that famous. Well, what about the teddy bear? Yeah. Teddy um, Roosevelt. Teddy the Roosevelt, the, the original oh, yeah. Teddy the bear. The original bear. This, so you guys are giving but us some where we some got hints, the idea but for it's bears. up to the fans what bear well, he, we have to talk he about. He spared a bear, right? And that's why they made the Teddy Every bear. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a thing? <laughs> yeah. <Every> Thanksgiving. <laughs> he pardons one animal to not kill. <laughs> Man. Uh, send any that's of those. Teddy did it. It's like he would kill any animal at Thanksgiving, <laughs> but they just yeah. pick one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, we are going to exit uh, Pursued by a Bear. Uh, that is it for our show. It's a Shakespeare reference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it? Did you get, yeah, so, you, so you weren't protesting that time. You didn't catch the reference. I didn't catch Good. it, I just no. need to know the difference when you don't laugh. I have a, yeah. It's a slightly different face. I have a really sarcastic voice, so no one ever really knows. Uh, we talked about this very briefly on the show a while back, but we sh- and we should never talk about it again because it's very sad. Don't look up Shakespearean bears. This is some terrible shit. Uh... Don't look it up. Don't. Yeah, just okay, don't. I anyway, won't. during Shakespeare's time, they used to like torture bears on stage. Oh, okay. It's fucked up. Um, oh. Don't. You don't want to read anymore. But anyway, uh, that's our show. Uh, <laughs> you can find out about upcoming topics uh, at readdeshoop.com slash next. Also, you can get in touch with us but with all of your fan facts and corrections and listener mail uh, on readdeshoop.com or on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes. Four stars plenty, right? Just four yeah. four's enough. Four stars Four's are enough. For us. Yeah, um, that's, that's that's your motto. That's our motto. That Four's really enough. is our motto on the oh. website. Four stars <laughs> is plenty. Um, wow. <laughs> so uh, we really appreciate that, and we especially appreciate all of our meat buddies. Read Dutch people, meat buddies, to donate uh, and help us continue to pay guests to hang out with me. Uh, thanks for being here, as always, Anthony Lopez. As always, it's a pleasure. And uh, at whatever forever sixty nine. And also at Laura Breadkitten on the gram. Thanks for being here, Lauren. Thanks for having me. It's so great talking to you. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry you're dating all these Fight Club boys. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, And Hunter, host of Space Cats Peace Turtles, the podcast. Thanks for being here, buddy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. If you know what that means, definitely check out his three-month-long tournament. Which you're too late for now. I can hear a cat. Yes. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, What's what's the cat's Instagram? (laughs) That's... that's that's Zuko. He's in the room. What's up, Zuko? It's Podcat. Welcome to the show, Podcat. Um, it's funny because you have I, two cats and we almost never hear them. Yeah. Well, usually the door is closed, but Zuko wanted it. Well, I he's do welcome have to, to cut I, out. We let you go. Thanks for being yeah, here. Uh, I'll talk bye. to you all soon. Bye. Bye.